I thank you, and as I endeavor to bring this word tonight, I pray that you will anoint the words of my mouth and the ears of the hearers. And Father, that they will receive it with an open heart. And if there are adjustments that need to be made within themselves, that they will do that, Father, because truly you are love, and every instruction comes from love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, pastor, apparently this is just really on the Holy Spirit's heart right now. Uh, pastor, for the last two Wednesdays, has taught on offense. If y'all been here, you know that. Well, I have a message that goes along those lines, but I'm going to be talking about just a little bit different aspect of this offense and something that we don't often talk about in the church, but that apparently does need to be talked about. Um, and I, I titled this, Are Your Eyes Green? Can anybody guess where we're going here? <laughs> Are your eyes green? I'm going to be talking about the spirit of jealousy and how that. Yeah, is it okay? All right. Okay, so I grew up in a household with a woman who was very, very jealous. And that jealousy was some kind of an ugly thing to live with. What do I mean like that? She was very jealous of my father. You know, she was the stepmother. And we, we uh, came in, and he came with his kids. And I was very small, and so I got the brunt of a lot of stuff. Now, the problem with me was that I looked very much like my mother, very much. And my dad, in one of his uh, silly, drunken moments, made the statement that he always had his little patsy with him, talking about me. Well, you can imagine how that went over with her and her jealousness. So what did this thing look like? What, 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 what am I talking about? She became so jealous that she would do things like, <clears throat> I could, always in the guise of good, you see, always in the guise of good. Well, she's five years old. She needs to learn to walk on her own. You need to quit picking her up. So my dad was no longer allowed to pick me up. She doesn't need to be hugged every moment of the day. She's a crybaby. She's a little baby. You're, you're teaching her to be a baby. Now my dad wasn't allowed to hug me. She is a girl. Girls don't get tucked into the bed by their dads. Their dads don't come in their rooms. Now my dad's not allowed to come and say goodnight to me in my room. You see what I'm saying? And on and on, this kind of thing went on. That jealousy became a type of hatred. And as I grew up, that jealousy grew along with it. You see? It became like, oh, you think you're so pretty, don't you? If I looked in the mirror to comb my hair, like, hello? <laughs> or to check out my outfit. You think you're so pretty. You don't need, you, you want to wear makeup? No, you're not allowed to wear makeup. It doesn't matter how old you are. You want to do, no, we're not going to give you that. No, 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 no. What was she trying to do? She was trying to take away from me something that she perceived I had she wasn't trying to elevate herself in, 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 in the sense of improving within. She was trying to take away what she perceived I had. Now, we, that was outside the church, okay? And so we tend to think that this is, this is probably not a real big deal in the church. That, you know, this kind of thing doesn't happen in the church. And if you are the person who's jealous, you tend to think like this. Well, it's not really that big a deal. I mean, I didn't do anything that bad, really. I mean, I'm just pointing out obvious facts. I'm just, uh, you know, everybody's a little jealous. I mean, come on, Teresa, even God's jealous. The Bible says God's jealous. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a minute. Do you understand that God's behavior is always righteous and just? And he always comes from the place of love. 
Do you understand that your behavior, on the other hand, is not always righteous and just, and that it does not always come from a place of love? What is the difference here? See, you see, your spirit is righteous, but your behavior is not always righteous. Okay, we can behave right outside of our spirit. We can behave from our soul and from our flesh. Right? Now, honestly, at its root, jealousy is not always a bad thing. See, jealousy, it can become a bad thing. Jealousy at its very root, all it is is admiration of something that you long to do, to have or to be. The Bible talks about how that the Gentiles uh, were brought into the family and that they provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. What does that mean? It means that they admire what they have with God and that admiration can spur them on to better themselves. Right? So, jealousy can be a thing where I say, man, that person's walk with God, you know, provokes me to jealousy. What can I do? to be like that? How can I improve myself? I mean, what is it that they're doing? And I can start to study and I can mimic their behavior and jealousy can be a thing that spurs me up. But if jealousy turns to envy, which is a different thing. See, envy is I want to have what you have. It's covetousness. Not that I want to have something like what you have. I want to have what you have. And I'm willing to take it away from you if there's any way for me to do it. And if I could just make everybody know that you're not all that while I'm doing it, that'll be a bonus. You see, there's a whole different thing. There's a whole different thing. Do you get jealous and do you look to, is it give you a inspiration? Is it an inspiration? Or does it turn into a perverted thing where you covet and you go over that line? Now, where is the first place we see this in the Bible? Let's, let's go, well, first, let's go to Proverbs 27.4 for those who think that basically it doesn't cause that, you know, it doesn't cause that much harm. I mean... Everybody's jealous, right, sometimes, and it's not that big a deal, you know. Let's go see if it is. Let's look at Proverbs 27.4. It says, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? In other words, jealousy is destructive if it's gone the wrong way. It creates havoc and it tears down the object of said jealousy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it tears it apart, right? Now, where do we see this in the Bible? What's, what, what's one of the first cases we see this? Let's go to Genesis 4. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Cain and Abel. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, who was respecting Abel? God was respecting Abel, correct? Okay. And he did not respect Cain and his offering. Who was disrespecting Cain's offering? Okay. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So, I don't know, you tell me. 
Is perverted jealousy a problem? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Now, was Cain at home? I mean, did Cain go home and did he go, you know what, God? Do you think that he, he went home and thought, you know, um, God is a just and righteous God. And if he was not happy with what I did, I need to look within myself and find out why was he not happy about what I brought to him. Now, I'll give you a little clue. Remember that when man fell and God went in and he slew an animal and made them skins, I'm sure at that moment he taught them about blood covenant and that blood needed to be shed for the remission of sins, okay? So he probably knew that. And so the reason that Abel's, uh, his sacrifice was accepted because there was blood. It was a, it was a lamb, okay? Uh, Cain wasn't. He was bringing the type of sacrifice that you bring for other things, which I won't get into all that. Okay, so. And no, 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 that's not what he did. He didn't go home and go, you know, um, I didn't meet the requirements that God had in order to receive the blessing and to be in God's favor in this way. He could have met the requirements. He could have gone home and changed it. He could have, and God would have accepted him. He said so. Right. If you do well, will I not accept you? Right. Will I not accept you? Am I not a just and righteous judge? Am I not just and righteous and able to see the whole picture? If you do well, will I not accept it? Will I not accept it? No, what do you, what do you think he went home and did? He went home and he started thinking something like this. I don't know who Abel thinks he is. I'm sure he thinks now that God's approved him, that he's so much better than me. You know what? He's an idiot over here and over there. I mean, if it wasn't for me, he couldn't even take care of this over here and blah, blah, blah. I'm so much smarter than him in so many ways. And really, I mean, now he thinks that he's above me. He needs to be put in his place. Do you think that's the kind of thoughts maybe he was having? <laughs> yeah. See, his actions would tell me, and as he stewed, and as he thought about it, and as his pride became more and more wounded by his own thoughts. Mm -hmm. See, the chances are is that Abel had no such thought as that. The chances are that Abel went on and thought, well, that's between, you know, Cain and God. I mean, hopefully he'll work it out, and he'll do what's right. And probably Abel wasn't walking around going, I'm so much better than you. <laughs> God accepted me and he didn't accept you. How do you feel about that? Isn't that great? I'm awesome. See, you know, Abel probably was not doing that. He probably was not. The Bible doesn't say nothing about him doing that. It says he was out in the field talking to his brother. And then he just killed him. See, because he had stayed home stewing and imagining that Abel had something that he deserved and that he had been slighted. Okay, so now... Let's talk about in the church. How does this kind of thing look in the church? I'm going to share a story with you. I came, where to begin, Lord? <laughs> I came into this church, one, not this one, but a, a church that Jerry and I used to go to. And I, I used to sing in the church as a teenager, and I had gotten out of that. And uh, Long story short, somebody had suggested that I sing in that church, and I started singing in that church. Now, at the time, it was a very small church, and I'll be honest, we had a very, not very, uh, I mean, the praise band was a little sad, okay? The, the, the worship team was a little sad. There's no lie about it, but there was one particular woman in there who had a very good voice, and so because of that and because everybody was just trying to fill in a position because we just didn't have the people in there to fill that position, people were just trying to, to help. And so it didn't mean they could sing, but they were trying, okay? They were making a joyful noise, praise the Lord. <laughs> but she could sing. And because she could sing, well, then that meant that the pastor and whoever always called on her to do anything that needed you know, in other words, will you sing a solo for us for Christmas? Well, well, we've got those guest pastors coming for the conference. How about you sing for that conference? Well, long story short, I got up and sang, and they discovered I could sing, and now they had two talents in the church, and they started to, they did not cut her out. Right. They just started to add two. Mm -hmm. And people started to comment and compliment 
and she did not like that. And the green of her eyes started to show. It would look something like this. I'd show up for practice, and she'd say, there are too many sopranos. Now, mind you, there's only four people in the whole praise band, and she's the only soprano. There are too many sopranos in this here band. And she threw her microphone down on the floor. Literally, was it on? You know, about drop the mic. Well, she did. So I, and she did little things like this all the time. And the, here, here's the other problem. Her sister was in that praise band. Her brother-in-law, who was married to her sister, was the director who could not direct. It was funny because he would stand in front of us and do this, and we'd go, because he'd try to start us. He'd be like, start, and we're like, hold on, now. And we would tell him how to direct us so that it didn't look bad in front of the people. I'm being serious. I, my husband can attest to the fact that it's true. I mean, it was really very sad, okay? But look, they were trying to fill a position, okay? So they get together and they start talking. Well, now that she came along, she can do no wrong, I guess. And she would make comments like that. Well, I guess that, you know, all my years of service don't mean anything because they have Teresa now. You know, things like this. Well, this went on for a little while. Then we had somebody else come in who was coming from another church, and they were truly talented, and they were looking to start a whole new thing. They go and talk to this director. The first thing he tells them is, well, you don't want Teresa. That's the one you don't want. Now, he had no reason to tell them that. Well, it backfired on him because, remember, God. That backfired on them. They immediately called me on the phone and said, Teresa, we'd like to talk to you about singing in the praise band. Somewhere down the road, they told me the whole story. They said, you see, the minute he told us that we didn't want you, we understood the spirit that was working in him, and we knew that you were the, exactly the one that we needed. So what happened then, okay, was that they asked me to come along, and they wanted nothing to do with the rest of them because they, th they felt that there was no spirit of worship there. There was no spirit of we came here to honor God. There was just a spirit of self-promotion. This is about me and how I look and how people look at me and da-da-da-da-da. And well, now you can imagine that the hatred went up just another little notch, right? Went up just another little notch. In the, in the span of time of dealing with this, I, now this Satan loves this. Oh, how he loves it. And we'll get into that just a little bit in a minute. He loves this. So then I become offended because I'm getting good and sick of all this here undeserved persecution. Okay? And now I'm downright offended. And I've, I, I'm not in the mood to forgive anymore. Now I'm in the mood to set straight. And so the day comes that we're on the, we're on the stage and she does her little thing. And, well, what I just told you a minute ago, she goes, there are just too many... I mean, literally, with her hand on her, there are just too many sopranos on this stage, and drops her mic and walks off. And I let her have it. And the pastor's wife was there saying, Teresa, 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 hold on. Maybe we need to talk about this in private. And my response to the pastor's wife, I'm telling on myself too, might as well, might as well. My response to the pastor's wife was, you've had a whole year to talk to her about it. You've done nothing, so now I guess I'll take care of it. So now, now I'm just as guilty as she is. See, I went home feeling justified that, look, she has tortured me and tortured me and talked about me and done this and done that, and I've tried to be nice, and she's been just a real witch with a capital B. Okay, and I'm just tired of her. And I meant which because manipulation, all right? <laughs> okay? And I, that's how I'm feeling in my heart at this point. And I'm laying in my bed and I'm stewing. And I'm like, and I'll tell you what, pastor's wife, trying to stop me. Why she never tried to stop her? Okay, now I'm offended at the pastor's wife. And suddenly right in the middle of my bed, God says, so, how are you better than her now? I'm like, uh, What? What do you mean? How am I better than her? I haven't gone around talking about her. Well, 
Does that behavior come from love or is that for you self-protecting and self-seeking? Isn't that what you're accusing her of? <sighs> now God, that's not fair. I've put up with a lot out of her. I've only done this to her once. So, Teresa, Holy Spirit talking inside of me, who's asked me for great things? Who wants to move up and walk with me in a way that is bigger than what you've walked before? Who is that? Is that you? Yes. What does this mean for me, right? I'm like, yes, it is me that asked to walk with you. So, tomorrow you can go and apologize first to the pastor's wife. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll call her on the phone. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, no, no. You did this in front of the whole praise band. <laughs> you will apologize to both of them in front of the whole praise band. Oh, I'm like, God, you are unfair. <laughs> I mean, this is not fair. What about all the time she's been? Why doesn't she have to apologize to me, Teresa, who is seeking me for greater things? Hmm. Okay. So I pray and I pray and I pray and I, you know, I'm kind of like Jesus, Lord, your will be done. But if, if this cup could pass from me, <laughs> if this cup could just pass from me, I'd be glad about that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go up there and I apologize. Now you think that she quit being like she was with me? Oh, no, she didn't. No, 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 she didn't. She felt quite, oh, she was so happy that I had humiliated myself and then had to humble myself. She was very happy about that. She felt justified in her ideas that, see, she's not that good, see? And Satan's in the corner going, whoo, I got them both with this one. Isn't this great? And now the pastor's wife's just a little bit suspicious of how she should behave around me, whether I'm going to be, you know, uh, submissive or if I'm just going to be like some rogue person that doesn't control their anger, it, you know, or, or whatnot. <clears throat> so time goes by and she's still like that and I'm still talking to God about it. Okay, God, you know, I'm trying here, but I don't know where we're at. I don't know where this is. He says, well, what did I tell you about your enemies? You said... Pray for my enemies and bless those who persecute me. <laughs> I, I'm telling you the kind of attitude I answered with. <laughs> and he said, that's what I said. So he says, when are you going to start praying for her? <sighs> All right. <sighs> bless her, Lord. Amen. Now that was as much as I could muster at that moment. That was my prayer for her. I'm like, I did it, okay? Bless her. Whatever it is that that looks like, okay? <laughs> but here's a weird thing that happened. I kept doing that. That's all I could muster with any, that's really all I could muster. I, I'm not joking. I just could not bring myself to say, you know, give her the desires of her heart, Father. Prosper her and her, her finances and give her good health, Lord. And I just pray that you bless her with her children. And, and you, know, all, you know, give her, I just couldn't do it. All I could manage was bless her. Well, I did that. Day after day, at the end of my day, when I would lay down, I'd be like, it's time to do it, Teresa. Lord... <laughs> Lord, just bless her. Then he says to me one day, okay, and what else? What do you mean, what else? He was requiring me to up that prayer a little bit. And here was the weird thing. As soon as I opened my mouth to, to up that prayer, a torrent came out of me of good towards her. What happened? As the time went on and I started to obey God, he started to give me the grace to see her through his eyes. And suddenly I had this empathy for her. I, I honestly did. I realized she was an aging woman who had, had, 
this was what she had, she, she didn't have a correct identity for herself. You see, she got her identity from being on the stage and being, you know, the people's love. She desperately needed to, to have that people's love. And when she felt that was being taken away from her, well, now she was fighting like a person for, for her life because she was not getting her identity and who God said she was. She was looking for position and honor. And I suddenly was able to pray for her. I really was. And to have empathy towards her. And so, one day I go to church, and at that time I was um, selling some Avon. People always got me into that kind of stuff. I'm just like, oh, not anymore. <laughs> but anyway, I was selling some Avon, and I, I had this butterfly pin, and I loved butterflies. I, I raised them in, in a little tent and stuff with the flowers and all that stuff, and and I went to church, and I had this butterfly on, and we were wearing it as a representative. You could have it before it came out as an advertisement type thing. You could have it at a cheaper price. And she comes up to me, and she says, oh, now by this time, she's starting to talk to me. It's a weird thing, see? I start praying, and things start changing. See, she's starting to talk to me a little bit pleasant. We're not friends, but she can at least say, hi, Teresa, how are you doing? You know you look nice today. And I would return the compliment. Well, you know what? You look good today, too. I like that outfit, D. You know, things are changing. Why? Because I'm praying. Because I'm being obedient. Yeah. I didn't say I liked it. I didn't say it felt good. I said I'm being obedient. Mm -hmm. I've got this butterfly pin on, and she comes up and says, that's a pretty pin. And I say, oh, thank you. And I walk away, and the Holy Spirit says, get her one. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to get her no pin. Why don't she give me <laughs> what? I'm like, oh. He said, you can give her the one you got. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> All right, I'll get her one. So I get her one. And I literally go to her house to give it to her because I feel this overwhelming, like, just do it. Hurry up and do it. I'm like, I got to just go get this done. So she lived in my neighborhood. So I went around the block and said, you know, Dee, you liked this butterfly the other day. And I just thought I would, I can get it at a special price. And I just thought I'd get this for you. Honey. It changed everything. Suddenly she became my first, she was like my best friend. Honest, my husband will tell you. She's like, Teresa, I was going to the Butterfly Conservatory at Disney, and you know, Tom, that was her husband, gets tickets for free, and I, I wondered if he, she became my friend like overnight, and I was like, if I'd only known that years ago, I could have saved myself so much headache, right? Now look, I could take two tacks. I could take the, tack, the, 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 the path, that I originally felt in my heart, which was like, I'll put her in her place. Right. Or I could obey God. Yeah. Obey God, things go well. Don't obey God, things don't go well. Right? Now let's look at another example. Let's look at 1 Samuel 18. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 30. Now, we're talking about Saul and David here, okay? So let's look at this. It says, Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, of the Philistine, the giant, Goliath, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said... Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. And so David played music with his hand and as at other, time, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord, who was with David? 
the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain. Now look, he doesn't banish him. He just takes another tact. That's how it can look sometimes. And made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved, what? Wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw, when Saul saw (laughs) that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Now here's Saul. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merah. I will give her to you as a wife, only be valiant for me and fight for the Lord's battles. For Now listen, for Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Right. See, he, he's trying to find a way to get rid of... They, yeah. See, I'm going to be guiltless, but I'm going to put him in the way of harm's danger. I've got to get rid of this guy. I've got to get rid of him. So David said to Saul... Who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? See, David's got a good heart here. He's like, wow, I'm getting this promotion. Saul's behind the scenes going, see, it looks good, but I'm getting rid of this guy. How many of y'all have ever worked for somebody like that? (laughs) Exactly. Usually you'll find out. (laughs) But it happened at the time when Mara, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Macalite, whoever, one of those ites, as a wife. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, now listen to this, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his, commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man. Now look, Saul is imagining David to be full of pride, and he's he's planning to take the kingdom, and David's thinking no such thing. What's happened? See, the jealousy's become perverted in Saul. He's not aspiring to do better. He started to covet now the honor and, and, and he doesn't see the problem as his. He sees the problem as David. He needs to get rid of David. This happens in the church. They, people, people don't get promotion and they see the problem as the other person and not themselves. They start plotting and planning. How can I get rid of them? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner, David, and the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. But then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. What's he trying to do? Yeah, he's trying to get him to go up against those Philistines. He wants him to die. Right? But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's... Now, can you imagine how frustrating this is for Saul? I mean, can you just imagine? And so it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, and he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. 
And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princess, then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name became highly esteemed. Now, what am I trying to point out to you here? God was with David. Saul was feeling jealous. But as long as David behaved wisely, God protected him on every turn. He protected him on every turn. It didn't occur to, to Saul to, to go and say, why isn't uh, God with me anymore? What have I done here? Maybe I should repent. No, 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 no. See, jealousy got a hold of him. It turned into envy and covetousness. He coveted. He was being possessive over the honor that he felt was rightly his. Let me tell you something. That happens in churches, and it can happen from the highest to the lowest. People get into a position in the church, and they feel like, this is my position. And how dare some upstart come in here and, and, and you know, try to take this. See, Saul was not operating in love. He was operating in hatred. Right? But the whole time he pretends to do good. That will happen in the church quite often. Well, you know what? We're just going to put you over here, and if you will just do this, and it, it can look like, you know, you just do this over here, and uh, they, you do this work and do this, and what it usually ends up being is you do all the work and I'll get the credit. You see, that's how, how it can happen in the church. When your heart's right, you don't. But some people do, see? And that's what it, it, as long as you're behaving wisely, it doesn't matter. So, I don't know. Is this a big deal? Let's find out. Let's look. James 3, 14 through 16. <clears throat> Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. What's he talking about? Well, you know, for your good, I just don't think that you should uh, do this over here. We're not going to let you do this over here because we think, oh, you know what? Um, I just want to let you know, Pastor, that I, I, this is just for the good now, but I heard that so-and-so is over here doing this or struggling with that and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, right? Now listen, I'm not talking about not, not speaking some truths that you know. I'm talking about the heart behind it. What is the motive? Okay? This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Do you hear me? For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Every evil thing is there. So, if you are a person who is given to jealousy, I want to tell you something. You're being influenced by the devil. You are giving way to a demonic spirit. It's not just a little thing. It's not just a little thing. And the devil loves this because it's a twofer. See? He gets you to start looking at people for promotion. Get start looking at people as your problem. He gets you full of envy and covetousness. Now he's got your leg in the snare. And while you're behaving like that, you offended the other person, and he gets their leg in the snare. And now you're over here jealous going around telling everybody and making little gossip. And, and if you're jealous, you can hardly ever see anything good about that person. You'll look for every opportunity to let somebody know, oh, oh, oh so politely. But, you know, they're really not um, whatever. They'll find whatever weakness they can, and they'll try to promote that about the person they're jealous of, right? Just a little talk. Nothing, nothing. It's not that bad, right? And then that person gets offended, and they start setting some people straight when it comes back to their ears, 
And before you know it, there's a big whole big hornet's nest going on in the church over one, and, and Satan's in the corner full of glee. See, he's got you in the trap. See, pastor's talking about becoming uh, trap smart, <clears throat> knowing the way the enemy works. Knowing how the enemy works. Now listen, I already said this. Ambition is not a bad thing. Everybody desires to do something better. It's, it, that's not the problem. Listen, there's nothing worse than a person that has no ambition. Who just sits around and you can't, you can't get them to move with a cow prod. I mean, they're just not motivated to do one thing. They don't care. They're not going to do anything. They don't have any ambition. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Okay, ambition is good. It's just that when you start, when you start trying to self-promote, it becomes a problem. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to do that right in y'all's ear. Let's look real quick at Luke 14, 8. Are y'all with me out there? Amen. Yes, Amen. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and, and, he, and him come and say to you, let's see, and he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame, to take the lowest place. What's he saying here? Don't, don't, don't go around promoting yourself. Right. Don't decide that you, you know, uh, well, I deserve this, and so I'm just going to sort of take it. Mm -hmm. You see? Listen, if you desire, if, it, if I look at somebody and I'm feeling a, a sense of jealousy towards them, what it really means is that I have ambitions towards the same thing. That's really what it means. And so I can look at that and I can, I can honestly assess their life and I can say, okay, God, that's where I'm headed and it's possible. And I can pray and I can seek God's face. Or I can try to put myself there. And if I put myself there, and look, sometimes people do manage to do it. People will do it by going to other people that are in, in position and talking and get themselves into this position. But listen, if God did not put you there and did not give you the grace to stay there, you're not going to be able to, to maintain it. And eventually it will come crashing down around your ears. If you do not believe me, look at the presidency. Prime example. See, somebody cheated and stole and put themselves, appointed themselves to power. How's that going? It ain't going good, is it? It ain't going good at all. Now, let me give you another example of what that looks like. I went to a person who was in a supervisory type uh, position. And I had this idea for a ministry, and it was a ministry that had been here before, and I went and talked, and, and we had um, planned. Well, let me start back here. Let me just start back a little bit. I came to another church, and I started getting involved in that church. And when I came, some of the members were on vacation, and they were not familiar with me at all. And they come back from vacation, and they are hearing good reports about me from the supervisor. So that person, their first introduction to me says, oh, so you're the one that can do no wrong. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I said, hmm, hi. Well, over time, because the supervisor of that particular situation was constantly inviting me and, and, and I was talking. They didn't want to like me, but they did kind of like me, see? And so we became kind of friends, regardless of how they were feeling a little bit threatened. And so we go out to lunch, and one day we're sitting in Perkins, and this individual says to me, I, we're talking, 
we were kind of friends and we would talk about stuff. And so I talked to them about this position that I was talking to the supervisor about, this thing I was thinking to do. And this person says to me, well, now that's a very important thing you're thinking to do. They're okay with you doing that? Just like that. I said, apparently they are, yes. And this person says to me, well, does it ever occur to you that other people that have been here longer than you might want to do that? Do you ever worry about that? I said, no, I don't. And the person says, well, don't you think you should? I said, no, I do not, because it is God who puts one up and God who puts one down. It's not my problem who else has been here or, or how they feel about it. Okay. Then I note to self, okay, this person is struggling in this area. Now, I didn't get angry, nor am I not, not uh, uh, willing to be a friend with that person. I still talk to that person and would still, I just made a little mental note. Well, now that person goes to the person in the supervisory position and talks to them. And the next thing I know, they're trying to do that particular thing I was going to do. They are doing it. I said, huh, now that's interesting. But now, see, I'd already got my leg caught in this trap once before. I was, I was trap smart. I'm like, oh, I see. Nope, Satan, you won't get me with that one. See, I could have went to that supervisor and say, do you realize that this conversation took place and this person's struggling with this and blah, 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 and da, 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 da. I didn't. You know what I did? Nothing. Yeah. I prayed about it. I'm like, okay, well, Lord, maybe it wasn't for me. And if it was for me, you're big enough to put me in it. And if it's not, I don't want it anyway. It ain't for me. I, I, you know what? Let them have it. Praise God. Maybe they're supposed to. I don't know. God's in charge of it. Well, wasn't too long for that whole thing fell apart. And guess what? That person ain't even around. I'm still here. <laughs> I didn't do a thing. What were you going to do, Teresa? Nothing. See, listen to me. You can look at people and go, you know what? They're not qualified for that, that position. They're not, they, don't, they may not be qualified. God doesn't call the, he, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right. See, I, you may not have uh, in the natural the knowledge or the, or, or, or the whatever to do whatever it is that you're trying to do, but, it, but who knows what you've been doing in the spirit behind the scenes. You see? You don't see the heart. God does. God sees the heart. And if a person does get promoted beyond what God wants them to be in any scenario in the church or wherever, it won't last. Don't worry about it. Just put your little heart at ease. It's not a big deal. God's big enough to take care of it, and he is big enough to take care of you. Now, where does this come from? What are some of the things that make people do this? Let's look at that. The first thing is not believing that God can be trusted to do good by you. You don't believe that he's got a good plan for you. You think that you have to do good by you. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11. We're all familiar with that. I'm just going to read it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you what? A future and a hope. You are not depending on people. <laughs> Let's look at John 17, 26. Okay, I'm feeling lazy now. I'm just going to read them. Y'all okay with that? And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. This is Jesus now, Jesus. As a matter of fact, I encourage you, if you struggle with feeling insecure or like nobody loves you, or just go read the whole of John 17 and get yourself happy, okay? And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love, with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. In other words, he's saying God loves you just like he loves Jesus. He came and, and, and you're in him and when, and when God loves Jesus, when, when he loves you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus, you're in Jesus. He loves you just like he loves Jesus. Who is going to be able to defeat that? Who's able to defeat that? Nobody. Okay, what's the other, what's the other thing that, that makes people want to do this? Thinking too highly of themselves. Yeah. 
That's another one. Let's look at that, Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Okay, so, listen. Let's look at Matthew 20, 27, and 28. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Listen to me. People are thinking too highly of this, of what they're after. This is what they're after. They're wanting authority, leadership, position. Can I tell you what those actually mean in the kingdom of God? Servant, authority, servant, leadership, worker, position, responsibility. And it's other-oriented. It's not about you. You're going to work hard if you're going to be in that position. You, you want, if you want the title and you want, it, it's not about you're going to be, oh, everybody's like, oh, you're so great. Well, listen, people may give you compliments, but behind the scenes, there's a whole lot of work. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's God who lifts a person up. It's God, and it's always other-oriented. Let's look at Psalm 75, 7. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. If somebody's in a position that you don't feel that they ought to be in or that you wish you had, why don't you just go before God and say, God, I'd like to do something like that. Listen, he's big enough to take care of you. (laughs) Now, the next problem that causes people to think like this, to try to self-promote, it, it, it can be true zeal. Like they truly are passionate for God and they just want so bad to be used by God and they think that nobody's noticing. They're working and they're doing and they're, and they're you know, and they're like, nobody's noticing me, so I'll just start to put myself into the position that I want to be in. This can look like um, okay, we know Pastor has set up a protocol for how we do prophesying and how we, but you know, I'll just go ahead and prophesy over here a little bit and then I'll get my name out there. And, or, you know, I'll just, I know, I'll try to have a little meeting at my house and I'll just ask some of the members to come to my house on Sunday or whatever. And, and they start trying to self promote in this way. Now, listen, really, they were, they were zealous to try to do something from God, but God desires obedience over sacrifice. If you're disobedient, all your sacrifice of, of, you know, whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't mean anything. There is a line of authority, and God expects you to submit to it. And then he promotes you. Then he promotes you, right? Listen to me. There is enough work in the kingdom of God for everybody to, get, to put their hand to the plow. God is not short of work for you to do. There is no shortage of work. And there is no body that's in the position that is yours. If you are supposed to be promoted and you are under somebody like I was just talking about who doesn't seem to notice you at all, one of two things will happen. You stay humble before God. You keep serving God. You be zealous. You work as unto the Lord. And God will either move them or he'll move you. That's happened for me too. God has just said, hey, time to go along. Now, when God tells you to move from a place, it won't be an offense. It won't be with attitude. It'll just be, hey, it's time for you to go, time for you to go forward. See, when Jared and I left the, the Baptist church, I wasn't angry at anybody. But I had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost and I was trying to move forward and there was nothing left for them to give me. They didn't have it. They couldn't help me move forward. And it was just time for me to go. And so I went. And did everybody agree with that? Nope. They didn't. They didn't. Not everybody agreed with it. 
They were like, where can you show me in the Bible that God's telling you to go? You know, how are you going to know where you're going if you don't know what you're, you know, all these things that people had to say. But God uses my husband in that way because one day he just came and said, you know what? It's time for us to go. I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> right? You know? So I didn't leave offended. Okay? If you find yourself in that position and you really do, you know, you admire something greatly and you're almost tempted to be jealous about it, take a look at it and say, huh, yeah, I'm not ambitious. I don't get jealous of something I'm not ambitious towards. See, if you long to be in the praise band, you'll be a little bit ambitious. You'll feel a little jealous of people that are in the praise band. If you long to preach, you'll be a little bit jealous of the people. What are you going to do with that? I'll tell you what you do. You find yourself a job in the church. You stay faithful to it. Okay? And you work as unto the Lord. You stay faithful to that job. You say, I don't have a job. Nobody's knows, and That's fine. Just work as unto the Lord. God will promote you in time. Now, I've got, I don't know. Did I look at 1 Peter 5, 6 yet? Let's look at that. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. He, in due time. No person can stop you from moving up when God decides to move you up. They don't have to notice you. You're not, you're not, they don't have to try to, you don't need to please people. You don't have to do that, okay? If you don't have a job in the church, then find one. Be faithful, be diligent where you are. Work as unto the Lord. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it, okay? Let's look at Colossians 3.23 real quick. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That's what I was just talking about. So when you get that job and you're doing whatever you're doing, you're not trying to impress pastor. You may impress him or you may not. It's besides the point. Mm -hmm. It's besides the point. God will take care of you. You're not looking for a man's approval. approval. If you get it, it's nice. We all like it. We all have a desire to be told we're doing a good job. I'm not telling you that's a wrong desire. We all have that desire. But are you working for that desire? See, that's self-seeking. That's self-seeking. Or do you work with it as unto the Lord? Do you have in, in, in your heart that I'm doing this because I want to be pleasing to God? Do you pray, Father God, what is the path that you want my feet to be on? Establish my feet firmly on the path that you want them on. And on that path, Psalm 65, 11, that path drips with abundance. That's what God said. He says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Okay? So seek God. Ask him. Listen, you may think you want this over here, but God may have designed you for that over there, and you don't know that you want that over there. But if you'll let him direct you, he'll lead you to that over there, and you'll be ecstatically happy over there because that's what God designed for you. Okay, so just submit yourself unto the Lord and he will direct your paths. Amen? Okay, let's look at Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. You want to go forward? Excel at whatever you're doing. Just focus on what's right before you right now. And do it as unto the Lord. What does that even mean? God, if you were standing right here, how would I do this job? Would I do it half-baked or would I do it just a little better than what I'm doing it right now? You know, uh, have a spirit of excellence. Seek God's face. God, am I in your will? I seek God's face all the time about this. See, because I know that I could, I, if I got myself into something that it wasn't God's will, I'm not going to be able to maintain that. The grace won't be on me. And I'll be open to the enemy's attack. I don't want that, and neither do you, right? Okay, so this is what I want you all to get from this night. God is the one who promotes. You do not need to be jealous, to be envious, to step on another person 
to try and get what is yours, what is rightfully yours. Correct, it's his. So, and you are his. So just present your members as a living sacrifice before the Lord. And he's going to take care of you. He's promised. Amen? Okay. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen? All right. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to let you go. That's it for tonight. And you're even getting out of here a few minutes early. It's 8.07. Woohoo! I did good tonight, didn't I? I usually keep you five minutes late. <laughs> I got done early tonight. Father, I thank you so much for this message. I just pray that um, I just pray that people will really consider this in their hearts, Father, and that they will seek you. I pray that they do seek you and say, God, what did you design me for? What is my purpose? And trust you to put your put to, to lead them and to put their feet on the right path. And we thank you for it. I pray protection over each and every one of them as they go out of here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.